Today's message is for those who might not think they're good enough. Maybe it's because you've messed up in the past. Maybe it's because you don't come from the right family. Maybe you don't think you have the right education. Maybe you don't think you're smart enough or old enough. Or maybe you struggle with things that, you know, if other people found out about you, they just wouldn't look at you the same. I want you to know this morning that God wants to use you in a mighty way for his glory. And I know if someone would have told me that years ago, I wouldn't have believed them. In fact, I didn't believe them. I thought, well, you, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the family I come from. I mean, there's no way God could use me. You see, growing up, I always got in trouble. I mean, I, I started getting some, uh, excuse me, I started to get suspended from school when I was in elementary school. Anybody else? I'm not joking. I got suspended uh, in middle school for fighting and smoking at the bus stop. I got suspended three out of four years in high school for fighting and other things. If they still did this kind of thing when I was in school, I would have been voted most uh, likely not to succeed. I graduated high school, and again, I've told you this, but it's important. I graduated high school with a 1.52 GPA combined all four years. And the church, well, the church was the furthest thing from my mind. You see, I believed in Jesus, but I had no interest in the local church. I went to the church till I was about nine years old. Then after that, if I were to be completely honest, the church just seemed irrelevant to me. I didn't understand why we should go. You see, I only saw churches and experienced churches with pastors who were over 60 years old. In fact, it seemed like the churches were more interested with doing things that they've always done than paying attention to the future and what I was currently experiencing. You see, if I were honest, I never felt accepted by churches or church people. I wore really baggy clothes. I had like big fake diamond earrings. I had blonde tips in my hair. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all aren't gonna admit it, but I did. I listened to music that nobody else in church did. And I felt that they didn't accept me for who I really was, nor were they interested in it. I felt that every time I went to church, they just judged me or wanted to be something that I really wasn't. And the things they talked about, they weren't things I were talking about. I was talking about, my friends were talking about. It just didn't seem to be relevant to my life. It wasn't until I was about 17 years old, my mom got me back in church. She said, hey, we have this younger pastor at the church. They've started a contemporary service. I had no idea what a contemporary service was, nor was I interested. But she controlled the car keys. And so I said, of course, I, I want to go. I'll see what this contemporary service is all about. And all it was was a very traditional church with a guitar. You ever seen one of those before? Yep, okay, got it. That's all it was, and that was contemporary. But it was the first time I'd ever met, and I'm not exaggerating, the first time I'd ever seen a pastor under 60 years old. It was the first time in my life I sat in a service and I actually understood what he was saying. And I said, wow, you mean this thing can be relevant to my life? It wasn't long after that I felt God calling me into ministry. Do you know how intimidating that can be? Church people didn't seem to like me. I didn't particularly want to be in the church, and yet God wanted me to go be a pastor. See, I'd always had my relationship with Jesus. I would always read my Bible. But it was the church I struggled with. 
How in the world, I thought, am I going to be a pastor? I didn't even know where to start. In fact, I only heard of one Christian seminary because the guy, young guy, went there and said he went there. Never heard of him before. Didn't know that was a thing. And I didn't want to tell anybody. It was the weirdest thing I had to process that God wanted me to step into this calling. I didn't understand it. In fact, you know, it took me three years to make a move towards it. And then after that three years, it took me a long time before it actually happened. But you see, when I felt God calling me into something greater, I thought he could never use me. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't come from the right family. In fact, have you seen my behavior, Lord? This, there's no way you can use somebody like me. I mean, I had the best reasons in the world of why he could never use me. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you think, there's no way God can do anything with me. There's no way God wants to use me for anything. Perhaps you've been asked to step up or you feel that he's doing something. You think, that can't be true, God. You know what I've done. You know what I've been through. There's no way that's going to work for me. If that's you, I'm here to let you know this morning that God wants to use you in a mighty way for his glory. And it will look different for every single one of us. And the good thing is the Bible is filled with stories of people that God used in a mighty way for him that we would never think he would use. And so if you don't feel like you're good enough, you're in great company. But I want you to know he didn't make a mistake when he created you and all of those experiences and all that stuff you've been through and all that stuff that nobody else knows about, but you know about it. He can use all of that for his glory. And you say, there's no way he can. And he will. You just have to let him. Because you never know what he can do with you. You see, this week we learned about the life of the Apostle Paul. And Paul is somebody that you hear about in church all of the time, but when we first learn about Paul in the scriptures, he's throwing Christians in jail. You remember that? He's an elite Pharisee who wants to shut down the movement of Jesus. He's literally dragging people out of their house and throwing them in jail. Those aren't metaphors. He is literally doing that. He's going around from town to town persecuting Christians. In fact, we learn that he is there and present and gives the okay to kill a deacon in the church. Talking about murder here. That is the Apostle Paul, but when he encountered Jesus, everything changed. He went from someone who was persecuting the church to someone who was on fire for the church. In fact, Paul had a hard time getting along with Christians because they didn't trust him. They said, we know what you've been doing, Paul. Paul had a past. But he went around after embracing the gospel, went around and did amazing things for the Lord, and we're still reading his letters today. But Paul wasn't perfect. In fact, we learned from Paul in his writings that he didn't feel like he was a good speaker. We know he had these physical ailments that really limited him. In fact, he had a past that haunted him. When he sat back and think about all the things he had done, he just sometimes couldn't deal with it well. But yet God still used him and we're learning about him thousands of years later and so if you have a past that you're not proud of so do Paul if you think you're the least likely person to be used well so do Paul if you think your sins are too great so do Paul if you don't think you're gifted enough well, so do Paul if you have any of these things running through your mind or even so did Paul. 
But through his writings, he tells us some amazing things that I believe if you embrace and you allow to sink in can help you live into whatever God is calling you to do. See, these three things I just want to share with you come from his collections of writings. They're three things that have helped me. We've talked about a lot of them before, but if you embrace them, I believe it will help you just take that next step of faith. First up, I want you to know this. Paul tells us, you have been created to do good works. You're like, well, I, I don't know, Brian. No, I mean, you need to understand this first step is embrace. You have been created to do good works. That means it's possible, it's in you, and you can move forward with it because Ephesians 2.8 tells us, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by works so that nobody can boast. And many of us have heard this passage, we're saved by grace. We just sung all about the grace of God, that it's about the works that Jesus has done, that Jesus did enough. It was the cross, it was his death. They have justified you to where you are now right with God. And remember, we know that Jesus saves us from our sins, but that's not the end of it. We end up tying salvation to heaven. And while that is true, that's not where Paul goes with this thought. He doesn't say you've been saved by grace, so then you can go to heaven. He says you've been saved by grace, and then look what he says. For, next verse, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul connects our salvation to being the handiwork of God, which means as because you're saved, because you've given your life to Christ, it's this idea of you're a new creation. All that old stuff is gone. You've been forgiven, you've redeemed, you're new, and he's constant like handiwork, like molding you, creating you taking a personal interest in developing you and helping you grow to carry out the good works he has planned for you. You say, well, that can't be me. I'm here to tell you it is you. It's every single person who's given their life to Jesus Christ, God has a plan for you. He has thought about you and said, hey, I have something for you to do in the future and I'm gonna mold you and work on you till we get there. Doesn't mean that's, the, that's not the fun part. I'm just letting you know but the molding you and working through. He says, every one of you have something good. It's not just for the elite scholars. It's for every single person. God has called you. God wants to use you for good things. You think, well, Brian, there's nothing good inside of me. That's what your salvation's for. You may not be good enough, but Jesus surely is. And it's through our faith in him that he molds us and creates us for these things. It's not just that he has them for you, it's that he's gifted you for them. See, you've been gifted for service. We've talked about this a lot. It's important to embrace. 1 Peter 4.10, Peter just says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God has gifted you. It's kind of like Christmas where you get your, your loved one or your son, daughter, whomever that is, you get them that perfect gift that you're so excited. Could you imagine if they never opened the gift and used it and it's June? You spent all that time and that effort, you sat in all those Black Friday lines. Could you imagine how you would feel if they never even opened it and used it? I want you to picture that God has gifted you. He says, here you are. I've, I've picked this out for you. It's going to be perfect. It's going to help. It's going to help you do everything. And we're like, yeah, well, I I don't think you've given me a gift. He said, no, I've given you a gift. 
for you to use. Hopefully here shortly in the near future at the church, we're going to have a class set up for you to go through, help you discover your spiritual gifts and embrace them and learn how to use them. So just know that's coming. Some of us struggle with that, and that's okay. But just understand you've been given a gift by God to use for serving others. But they're all different. So 1 Corinthians 12, 4, Paul says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. He goes on to expound how there's different gifts, and it'll look different for everyone. His point in this section is to really expound on the unity and diversity, meaning when we come together, we all have a different part to play, meaning we can't do it if we don't all come together and play our part. And here's what's important about this, is if he gives two people the same gifts, it's still going to look different on how it comes out. For instance, we have Paul and we have Peter. Both were apostles. Both were given the gift of preaching. But they had very, very different ministries. Why I believe this is important is because one of the things that almost stopped me from getting into ministry altogether was comparing myself to other people. Y'all ever compared yourself? You don't have to raise your hand. I know it's true. It's the comparison. We, we look at what everybody else and think that's what I'm supposed to be. You see, this is so important. The young preacher I told you about that I heard, he ended up leaving that church, planning a church. A couple of years, it grew to a couple thousand people, and the man is one of the most gifted pastors and preachers I've ever heard before in my life. Do you know how intimidating that is? I sat there and was like, I'm supposed to do what? God, you got the wrong person. There's no way I could do that. You can ask my wife, I wanted to quit before I got started. Well, God doesn't want me to really speak. If that's what speaking looks like, there's no way he wants me to preach. Instead of learning who God created me to be, instead of embracing the calling on my life, I was so worried about what other people were doing. It took me a long time to stop comparing myself to other preachers. It took me a long time to personally embrace that God wants to use me for me. He wants to use me with the giftings he's created me, with my past and all of my experiences to be who he's asked me to be. You see, Paul, excuse me, God didn't call Paul to be Peter. He didn't call Peter to be Paul. Do we understand that? He didn't call me to be Daniel. That's the guy's name, by the way. He called me to be Brian. And so I don't compare myself to other people's giftings. I don't compare myself to other teachers. I don't compare myself to what other people do. I accomplish what God has asked me to do and only that. It's only by you embracing that he's created you to do good works and he's gifted you to do good works can you truly live into what he has asked you to do. You remember David? Remember King David? Remember before he was King David, he was little David, shepherd boy? All right, good, I'm glad you're with me. Remember when uh, Goliath was taunting the army? And Goliath was out there calling the Israelites all these sorts of names and said, hey, just pick one person to fight me and instead of us going to war, we'll have a winner-take-all one-on-one battle. Remember the entire Israel army was scared to death, but David stepped up, young little shepherd boy, said, hey, what is he saying about my God? I'm gonna take him out. He said, I got this. Went to the king, said, I'm gonna do it. But the king said, well, you're too young. You're not skilled enough. You're not good enough. David said, what are you talking about? God's preparing for me this. I fought lions, have you? I fought bears. He said, God has been preparing me for this moment my whole life. He said, okay, David, do it. But what did he do before David went out there? He dressed them in his clothes. 
here, you need to wear my helmet, you need to wear my things. He tried to make them look like him. Just picture David in all this baggy armor weighing him down, going, you're trying to weigh me down, making me something I'm not. So he shredded it, picked up some stones, and well, the rest is history. We all have a bad thing of trying to make people they're not. We all have a bad thing of imposing our will on people. But what you have to embrace and you have to fight for is God has created you to be you and only you. You don't have to live up to what other people want you to do. You live up to what Jesus Christ has called you to do. And as a pastor, I struggle with this, I promise you. So it's not just you. For me, if I were to be honest, don't tell anybody. I wish I could preach like Andy Stanley. I wish I had the theological depth of John Piper and N.T. Wright and those guys. And I wish I could pray like this guy named E.M. Bounds wrote, writes all these books on prayers. But I'm not them. I'm just a simple person. I'll probably never write books like them. But that's okay. We live into who God has created us to be. It doesn't mean we can't learn and grow from other people but we live into who he's asked us to be. And what's ironic about this whole story is that my old associate pastor, when we brought him on and I was teaching him to preach, you know why he was scared to preach? Because he was looking at my giftings. And I said, oh, buddy, if you only knew. He thought he had to be like me, and it took a long time for him to learn, I don't want you to be me, you be you, and I'll help you get to who you are and how you preach, and God's gifted you to do it. And now he's the pastor at that church doing a great job nothing like me and that's okay so all of us have to work through this you must embrace who God has called you to be and understand he has gifted you and he does have good things for you to do God isn't comparing you with other people or doing God's only asking you to be faithful with what he's asked you to do and when you are faithful to that watch what he does Watch how he uses you. And how we go about this and how we work forward in this is simply forget what is behind and press towards the future. Paul says in Philippians 3, 13 through 14, he says, but one thing I do, which is pretty important if you really grasp who Paul is, you're like, all right, Paul, here, what's a good principle? He says, one thing I do is this, forget what is behind and string towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen, some of us, this is really, really important. You cannot move forward in the future if you're stuck in the past. Did, did you know that? Imagine driving the car, staring through the rearview mirror. If you're staring in the rearview mirror, instead of looking at that big windshield in front of you, what's going to happen? Or you don't want to answer. Would you want to drive in the car with somebody who's staring in the rearview mirror the whole time they're driving down the road? You're like, why would we do that? You got the big windshield. I mean, it's helpful to check back at the past. It's helpful to see what's happened and how, how you got to where you are. Yeah, that's all great. But you got to look what's going on in front of you. Some of us, we have these things we've done in the past, those things that are weighing us down, and you need to move past that. Paul couldn't dwell on what he'd done wrong in the past. It comes up in his writings. You can see it coming through and bubbling up what he'd done. I mean, he wasn't naive, but it caused him to remember the goodness and the grace of God. 
It caused him to be reliant upon the works of Jesus Christ. It caused him to humbly move forward, not dwell in it. You see, your past doesn't define you, and you know this, but it's important to embrace. Your past doesn't define you. Your salvation in Jesus Christ defines you. That's the whole point of being made new, that that's past, that's done. If you've done wrong things and they plague you, ask for forgiveness, accept the grace of God, and move forward. We have to move forward. But he also, Paul, another thing that we see throughout his writings, he also had to forget the good he had done. Like, what do you mean, Brian? Paul was a scholar. Paul was an elite Pharisee. Paul had the human accomplishments. I mean, the wall in his office was filled with accomplishments. He's right. He wrote books we're still reading 2,000 years later. He played a church. He could have easily said, you know what? I'm tired of going to jail. I'm going to kind of retire. I've done it. Someone else's turn. You know what, Timothy? I'm really tired of writing to you. You just figured it out. Not only did he forget the bad, he forgot the good. He said, every day is a new day to serve my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Meaning, he didn't hold on to his accomplishments. He didn't have a place of where he had arrived and now it was somebody else's. Continue to move forward. Continue to move forward. He brings it all together, but says in this, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. I mean, in Jesus Christ, it's a new day, it's a new time, and it's got to move forward in that. You have been made new. You see, there isn't many people in this world, and this isn't just like a religious thing, this is just a world history fact thing. There isn't many people in this world who's made an impact like the Apostle Paul. He has done some amazing things throughout history in the world. His influence is, of course, still seen today. But he was a man who was broken in shame, a man who was broken in guilt, a man who played many of mistakes, who didn't think he was good enough, but embraced God's call and moved forward in faith. For me, and, and maybe for you, but for me, one of the biggest challenges to move forward in that step of faith was getting over me and dealing with what I've done and who I thought I was. Again, I told you it took me three years to embrace the calling. And then you know it took eight years before I became a pastor after that? That's 11 years of working through stuff. They say Paul, between his conversion to his first missionary journey, was over 10 years. And that's a low estimate. We think that, oh, if I live into this and I move forward, that means it's going to happen tomorrow. N no, it means it's going to take time and he'll develop you and grow. But one little step, well, you know, a couple of little steps a day lead to miles over the course of a lifetime, doesn't it? One step of faith. And so my question for you is simply, where is he calling you to take a step of faith? I don't believe he's done with you. Where is he calling you to take a step of faith? Maybe it's time today to fully surrender your life to Jesus Christ. I mean, if you've never done that, that's the first step. Maybe it's time to say, you know what? I've been playing with this Jesus thing. I've been thinking about who he is, but today I need to surrender my life to him and be made new. I want to be forgiven for all that past. I want a new future. 
that all comes by salvation in Jesus Christ in absolute no other way. Or maybe it's with baptism. You're saying, yeah, I've been saved, but you know that whole baptism I'm not too sure about. Maybe today is that step of faith. I mean, as this is what we believe, that after you give your life to Jesus Christ, there's a public declaration of your faith through baptism. Maybe it's the, today's the day you embrace that and work towards that. You go, you know what, I'm going to do that. I'm going to publicly take that step of faith. Or maybe he's calling you to be a member of the church. Meaning it's time to get serious. You say, you know what, we've been here, we've been thinking about it, and we want to be a part of reaching the community with the gospel with this church. Membership's about commitment. We're committed to you, you're committed to us, and we work through things. Or maybe he's calling you to a season of trust. Change is hard. Nobody likes change unless they're the one initiating it. Do you know that? I used to tell a guy, good mentor, I used to say, man, I love change. He said, well, it's because you're always initiating it. So that's a really good point. When other people do it, I don't like it so much. All of us, but that's a season of remembering God is sovereign. Remembering that God is God and we are not and trusting him in that. Or maybe he's calling you to take a step when it comes to church. Maybe he's taking you to take a step of faith and get plugged in. Maybe you're like, yeah, I've been thinking about that music stuff or I've been thinking about singing in the choir. If you're gifted in music and you want to be a part of it, I'm here to let you know we have two great music pastors who would love to absolutely work with you and develop you. Maybe he's calling you into that, or maybe it's a season of discipleship. Maybe it's time for you to get plugged into that Sunday school class. Maybe it's time for you to step up and be that teacher you know he's asked you to do. Maybe it's time to start serving those children, and you know he's been asking you to, but you're kind of nervous. Listen, none of us are good enough. It's okay. We start there and build upon that. Or maybe he's calling you to start a new business in your vocation. I don't know. Maybe he's telling you to take that promotion or have a, how about a demotion? Maybe it's time to spend some more time with your family and stop putting them to the side for work. I mean, what's he calling you today? Is it possibly that relationship you know you need to work on? As far as marriages go, some of the biggest steps of faith are actually admitting you need help. Admitting that you need someone to speak into your marriage because y'all just don't have it figured out. I mean, I've only been married 11 years, but from... Jessica's grandparents, they were married over 72 years. And I mean, none of us have it figured out. Did you know that? We need help. We got to work on that thing. That's what they told us. Or maybe it's time to fix that friendship. You know that person you're supposed to be calling? That person God's put on your heart? That relationship you know needs to be restored? You're like, yeah, but I don't want to. Let me finish it for you. Take a step of faith. What I'm saying is today, take that step of faith. Whatever God is calling you to do, take that step of faith. Because he's called you to do good works. He's gifted you to accomplish those good works. And we must press forward to the future he's asked us to do. And this morning, I just want you to know that God hasn't forgotten about you. That he loves you and he wants to use you for his purposes. It's up to you, though, to embrace that and take a step of faith. This morning, we're going to take communion, and we're going to remember the body and, that was broken and the blood that was shed for our forgiveness. And what I want us to remember specifically when we come to the table this morning is the sacrifice, that Jesus sacrificed himself for our sins. He gave up so that we could live. And when we have to take a step of faith, do not be surprised 
if it causes a sacrifice in your life. But we remember why we do it. We remember the great sacrifice that was made for us. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father.